when Pete spoke to us a couple of weeks ago, he made the point that work was putting in energy to get out an, an, an end. And he talked about the fact that work was anything that wasn't really leisure. And so obviously, even though I'm retired, I'm still working in that, in that sense. I want to read you a poem by a Christian uh, writer called Gerard Kelly. Fit me in somewhere in this giant jigsaw god. Somewhere in this work of art you're working. Select a space my shape can fill. And with a puzzle maker's skill, let my contours find their fit without contortion. Teach me which patch I am, God, in the cosmic quilt you're quilting. Show me where my square of selfhood is of use. Let the colourful complexities of the pattern that is me find their purpose in the placement that you choose. Show me my position, God, in this group photograph. Stand me where you want me to stand. Put me next to whom you will. Make me stand for good or ill, precisely in the place your plan demands. Tell me what I am, God, in this body you are building. A tongue to taste, a nerve to serve, an ear to hear. Give me grace to not be, gracefully, the parts I am not called to be and to play with elegance the roles I'm given. Fit me in somewhere in this giant jigsaw god, somewhere in this work of art you're working. Weave your wondrous tapestry until the twisted, tangled threads of me surrendered to your artistry form an image that is beautiful to see. And I hope you'll see as I talk why I've chosen that. Now, one of the amazing things about the Bible is that it gives us principles. Oh, it was written, it was written thousands of years ago in a different culture, in a different context. But within it, there are principles that we can put into practice wherever we live historically and wherever we live culturally and, and whatever country we live in. And so I wanted to pick up four principles of scripture and to, to use my own examples, but to, see, to show how these things are things that we can all put into practice. So the first one is, be a Christian. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. And I think whenever we enter a new situation in life, a new neighborhood, or a new, ch- a new church, or not church, no, that's wrong, um, a new job, or, or, you know, a new course, we need to let people know we're a Christian. Now, I don't mean we go barging in and say, hi, I'm a Christian. I don't mean that at all. But when God gives us opportunities to be willing to share that we are believers. When I taught, we had, um, it was a big school, and we had a lot of science teachers And one of them was called Alan. And Alan had some Christian friends who, and he went to church with them, and he went to church with with them for quite a while. 
On one Sunday evening, it suddenly all made sense, and he became a Christian. And he wanted to come back to school on the Monday and to share with his fellow teachers that something had happened to him. And Alan had a very fine moustache. So on Monday morning, he shaved off his moustache. So he goes into the the science staff room, and someone says, Alan, you look a bit different today. Yes, he says, I've become a Christian. (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, When my children were were at primary school, I I taught adults in very part-time, night school and daytime. And then a job came up in a local comprehensive school. And they wanted someone who could teach geography and RE. Well, my degree is geography. And when I did my postgrad year, they asked us to do a second subject. And because I'd become a Christian at university, I offered RE. So I go along for this interview. I went into the headmaster's room. There's the head. There's the head, head, the, the, um, head of department for RE, the head of department for geography, and the chair of governors. Now, the chair of governors was the local vicar. So the questions go fine about geography and so on. That goes fine. And then the uh, chair of governors, the vicar, says, Mrs. Cole, you are going to be teaching RE. Do you believe that God made the world? So I reply, yes, I believe God created the world. He's creator God. The chair of governors, vicar, sat back like this and said, ha, I am a vicar and a scientist, and I can tell you that is not true. So I said, actually, my God is great enough to do anything. When I went out of the room, I thought, I've lost that job. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Um, So once I got into school, um, again, you know, I I started a Christian union, uh, and I ran a Christian union. Um, and we actually were able to run a Bible study for the older children in, and staff in the mornings. So in that way, I, I wanted to share that I was a Christian. Now, I do have to say that when you commit yourself and you say in any context, I'm a believer, you will probably get some kind of anti-feelings. I suspect we've all faced that. There are, there are situations where they ostracize you or they make life difficult for you. And I thought that's something maybe we could talk about afterwards. So, I am now in a St. Monica Trust village, retirement village. I have my own flat, uh, and I live there. So, when my, my late husband and I, we moved together, it was just before lockdown, so it was all a bit difficult. But we have a wonderful pastoral coordinator called Colin Thompson, who, of course, comes to our church. And so, of co- and so there are services every week. So obviously, because we're believers and we wanted to be part of the believing community, we, go to, we went to the services. And then Colin wanted some help with the Lent devotions, and so my husband and I got involved with that. So I, my husband died during the lockdown. But obviously, I'm still going to the services, and I've now started a Bible study group. So in that way, I want people to know that I'm a Christian, where I am actually, actually am now. So the first thing is, the first principle, I believe... Is that yet you, wherever you are in any context, be a Christian and not, don't be ashamed of the fact that you are a believer. Second point, we need to pray 
We need to read the Bible and we need to depend on the Holy Spirit. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. We need to know how to live as Christians, hence our Bible reading. And we need to pray that that God will use us that day and help us to serve him in that particular day. And relying on the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I call them Holy Spirit nudges. And I want to give you a couple of examples. I went out one day to get rid of my recycling. And I saw a lady I know, and she looked so, so upset, really distressed. And I thought, I must go and talk to her. And then somebody else came up and started a conversation with me. And by the time this conversation had finished, um, the first lady had disappeared. So I went back home, I made my tea, and I kept this... It was a nudge, honestly. Go and see her, go and see her. I thought, will will she want me to talk to her? So I went to her flat, knocked on the door. Oh, yes, come in, come in. And I said, you know, I did notice you looked distressed. Can I do anything? And basically, she needed to talk. And it was a family, a really serious family problem. She talked and talked and talked. Now, in a normal context, like in a church, I would then say, can I pray for you? And I thought, so I said, would you let me pray for you? And she said, yes, I was so pleased. Now, again, in a church context, I would probably put my hand on someone and pray for them. I thought, so I said, would you mind if I put my hand on you and pray for you? And she said, that's fine. And basically, I prayed for peace for her that she'd sleep because of this awful problem. And I went back to my flat thinking, you know, have I done the right thing? And the next morning, I was going past her flat, and she said, come in, come in, come in. And she said, I slept really well. Thank you for praying for me. And I was so relieved. So Holy Spirit nudges. There was another time. um, I'd been out for a walk or something, and I was coming back. And God kept saying to me, I will call her Jane. Jane, Jane, Jane. I said, what, Jane? I saw her the other day. I mean, I know she's come out of hospital, but she's okay. And he kept saying this. And I thought, I'm going to have to go and see how Jane is. Now, because she has carers, the door is, you know, the door's open. So I rung the bell, uh, um, called out, it's Christine, and went in. And she was having a really nasty, unfortunate sort of attack and was really unwell. And I was there available to get help. And I just thought, that's the Holy Spirit. Not, you know, prod, isn't it? Um, that we need, to, we need to listen to. So, thirdly, in word and deed, act as well as you can. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. And then it says in 1 Peter, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Isn't that wonderful? Um, We're all given gifts, and we're to use them as we're given them. And then it goes on, administering God's grace in all its various forms. That's that's marvellous. The grace that God can use me to give is different from the grace that God can use you to give. But I just think that is absolutely amazing. So I was thinking, what example could I use of of really trying to, to work for God and not just for men? You have to hear a sad story first. When I was at school, my A-levels were geography, English literature, and history. And by nature, I'm a swatty child. So I had done all my revision. 
Okay, geography was fine. English was fine. Now, history was three papers with three different teachers, okay? So paper number one was fine, great. Paper number two was fine. Paper number three, I, look, this is 1961, and I still remember it. I was sitting there, I opened paper number three, and I could not answer any of the questions. We had been taught the wrong syllabus. Now, this is 1961, and in 1961, no one complained about teachers doing anything. I did pass, I did, I did pass, so I must have done well on the other two papers. But it, it left me with this absolute passion that whenever I taught anyone, they could do the exam paper. And particularly when I was teaching A-levels at night school, wonderful people doing it in a year, you know, um, and they were coming just for a couple, maybe two and a half hours, just in a year, and, and tackling A-level. That's pretty good going. And I remember saying to them, I promise you, I promise you that when you open the exam paper, you can do every question. And, uh, yes, okay, I was doing it for them, but I was doing it for God as well. Do you know one of the lovely things about teaching adults? If you have no discipline problems. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, right. So, how do I do it now? I mean, how do I do my best for God and not just for men where I live now? Well, the village I live in, St. Monica's Trust, is amazing. Um, I do recommend it to anyone who would like to eventually go into a retirement village. Um, and we have, we have lots of activities. Obviously, the idea is to stimulate. We have exercise classes. We have Zumba, which is really good. Um, and we have concerts. Uh, and we have um, art classes and poetry classes and, and talks. Now, when my husband and I first retired, we did a lot of voluntary work, all sorts of various things. But one of the things we did was we volunteered at Durham Park. And we were there for a good number of years. And I was a research volunteer. So I was doing research in order to produce notes for people who were doing guided tours and to do training le lectures and so on. And so I've really enjoyed doing that. So now where I am, I've off I offer, I mean, I do do, I do talks, which I prepare as well as I can, you know, because that's for God and not just, you know, not just for men. And you know the other thing, I think, where we've got to do it for God and not for people, in my context, is sometimes just listening. Where I live, people are lonely. Most people are widows or widowers. And sometimes all they want is a cup of tea and a listening ear. That's all they want. And, and, and remembering. So remembering, for example, um, the day their husband died, if you knew that day, and just remembering a little note or something just to show that you're remembering, that you're concerned. And praying. I think it's so important that we go on praying for people. Um, you know, in, in their context, in their situation, hugely important. And then finally, my last point from Scripture Take every opportunity to speak. 1 Peter. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I think that is a, an amazing verse. You know, often we, we do the first bit, but not the gentleness and respect. But you, you've got to be careful how you speak to people. Let me give you an example. Um, where I live, there's lovely grounds. And 
some of the, some of the flats are, are ground floors, so they have little gardens. And I was walking around one day, beautiful day, and a lady was sitting in her garden. And she said, oh, come and, have a, you know, come and sit down, Christine, we'll have a chat. So we started talking. She said, I understand that your son knows Mrs. So-and-so's son. And I said, yes, that's quite true. So she said, how do they know each other? And I said, well, they go to the same church. It was remarkable. She went, don't talk to me about religion. Now, at this point, I could have said, actually, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. (laughs) And I thought, why is this not to do that at this moment? But then, of course, I put her on my prayer list, and I'm praying for an opportunity when I can talk to her. Now, I have to tell you that I don't always get it right. You may have guessed this by now. So, the other day, um, we have two maintenance men who, who are absolutely fantastic, and I got a problem with the tap in the shower room. And so he came in to sort out my tap, and he was working away at the tap, and he's very chatty, so I was chatting to him. And it was just before Christmas, and so I said, oh, we're going to go carol singing around the village this afternoon. And it was lovely. It was really nice. And he said, oh, I'm not into that Christianity st- no, that religious stuff. And I didn't say anything. And I thought afterwards, Christine, that is a missed opportunity. But I want to share with you two amazing opportunities I had. I mean, you know sometimes when the Holy Spirit's at work, it's actually easy. And the conversation just comes. It's just absolutely remarkable. Totally out of the blue. Right. So there's a lady I had spoken to briefly about my faith. And and she hardly ever walks in the grounds. Hardly ever. One day she was walking in the grounds. And so I sort of fell in step and said, shall we walk around together, kind of thing. And she just looked at me and said, do you know what? Religion causes all the problems in the world. Now, I did at this point say, yeah, but Christianity is not a religion, you see. It's a, and anyway, we had this amazing conversation. And I was able to give her my, I told her how I was saved and, you know, how life had changed for me. Anyway, we didn't go any further than that, but, I, but of course she's on the prayer list. A little bit later, I'm walking in the grounds, and, and it was a beautiful day, and she was sitting on a, on a bench, and she indicated, come and sit down with me. So I went to sit next to her, and she started the conversation. And we had this amazing talk about, you know, who Jesus is, and what he came to do. And I said to her, you know, I do pray for you every day. And she said, oh, yes, you pray that I'll be better than I am. And I said, no, I pray that you would know the hope and peace I have in Jesus Christ. And I'm still praying for her. And then another day, I mean, it was remarkable. Another day, I actually walked a different way than I normally do. And we have a croquet lawn. And it was a, again, it was a fabulous day, and they were all playing croquet. So I sat down to watch. And there was, one, there was obviously two teams. I don't know about croquet, but there were two teams. And one person was having to sit out. And he's somebody I know... Um, really nice chap, ex-military, and he came over and sat next to me. And we chatted. And then he started asking me about what did I believe? About God and about Jesus. And we had this remarkable conversation. And twice during that time, people came up to talk to him, not to me, to talk to him. And he could, at any point, have got up and gone off with those people. And he didn't. And we talked and we talked and I was able to explain to him. 
basically what he was, his problem was he thought it was salvation by works. And I, I, I was able to explain to him, no, it's the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross that saves us. And we had this absolutely remarkable conversation. And I, I go back to my flat thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> thank you so much, Lord, you've given me that opportunity. Because when the Holy Spirit's there, it is easy. I don't mean that, you know, it just comes naturally. And when the question's asked, you've got an answer for it. Because, you know, it's not always easy. So, but then, of course, I then have to pray for those people every day. I've got to go on praying. I haven't seen anyone saved where I'm living. But I have to go on praying that, that one day, the things I've said, that the Holy Spirit would use those things so that they would understand um, about Jesus. So four principles. Be a Christian. You know, accept that you, you are a believer. Be a Christian where you are. Rely on the Holy Spirit and pray. Pray. Sometimes in the mornings, I say to the Lord, please send me to someone who's seeking. Someone who's seeking, I can talk to them. And in word and deed, do it. Do everything for God. Prepare and do everything for God. And take every opportunity to speak. Those are principles for each one of us. But your situation is not my situation. And your gifting is not my gifting. And your people you rub shoulders with are not the people I rub shoulders with. But those are principles that any of us can put into practice. So I want to finish with my poem. I think you probably see now why I read about a jigsaw. Fit me in somewhere in this giant jigsaw, God. Somewhere in this work of art you're working. Select a space my shape can fill. And with a puzzle maker's skill, let my contours find their fit without contortion. Teach me which patch I am, God, in the cosmic quilt you're quilting. Show me where my square of selfhood is of use. Let the colourful complexities of the pattern that is me find their purpose in the placement that you choose. Show me my position, God, in this group photograph. Stand me where you want me to stand. Put me next to whom you will. Make me stand for good or ill, precisely in the place your plan demands. Tell me what I am, God, in this body you are building. A tongue to taste, a nerve to serve, an ear to hear. Give me grace to not be gracefully the parts I am not called to be and to play with elegance the roles I'm given. Fit me in somewhere in this giant jigsaw, God. Somewhere in this work of art you're working. Weave your wondrous tapestry until the twisted, tangled threads of me surrendered to your artistry form an image that is beautiful to see.